All right, let's do this. How you doing tonight? Doing all right. How about yourself? Uh, you know, a little tired, exhausted, being a parent. So, uh, you know, I'm in this race and racism class. I want to talk to you about some of the topics all right. we've gone over. Um, let's introduce myself, TJ. I'm in the class. You I'm know. Robbie. Thank you, thank you. So, let's let's just ask you, uh, you were from Minnesota, right? Yep. Born and raised here in Minnesota. Um, many places here in Minnesota, and then also I've been to a couple other states and lived there for a short amount of time. How have you experienced uh, racism in <clears throat> Minnesota, per se? Um... It's always a very passive thing. It's never that I'm confronted directly with racism. It's always, you know, a snide com- comment or a dirty look or just kind of a feeling of I don't belong here. Um, yeah, that's about a, the extent, I would say, that you'll get racism in your face in Minnesota. It yeah. won't be blatantly in your face. In Minnesota. You've, yeah. You said you've <clears throat> lived uh, other places as well. What other places i've lived in florida and i've lived in texas florida Uh, and texas okay both in the south so would you say you experienced any racism uh in either of those two places oh absolutely what what kind of um experiences did you have can i ask um well when i was in texas literally it was like a traveling job so we would be in a new city every two three weeks and there was times I was in places where I was not very, well, most of the time I was in places I wasn't very familiar with. And sometimes, you know, you, you'd be able to get okay, get around okay. You'd be able to find some nice people to talk to or whatever. But sometimes, man, people are just, they're complete assholes because of the skin color. I worked with a mainly white crew. If I went up and asked somebody for directions or a good place to eat or something, I would get treated like I wasn't even there. Ten minutes later, my white coworker goes and asks, and we go have some good food. Hmm. Okay. And that was in both Texas and Florida, or uh, in Florida, I didn't really. I had. I was living in an area that was mainly minorities. We didn't really have too many white people around like even in our stores a heavily uh latino area or uh, just no in that minorities area in, in that general. area it was a lot of trinidadians okay. um some hispanic uh and also some guyanese that's jamaican you are a trinidadian your second generation yep. immigrant yeah that's correct well yeah First generation to be in America. <clears throat> oh, God. Yep. And, um... <clears throat> okay, so you've experienced racism in slightly different ways, depending on where you are in the country. Which one do you feel was worse? Oh, the passive-aggressive racism. Of Minnesota? Yes, absolutely. Because at least in Texas and Florida, I knew where I stood with people. Up here, you don't really ever know until someone tells you that so-and-so that you thought was your friend was saying some racist shit about you. 
That's the only way you ever find out about racism in Minnesota. Otherwise, you just think it's it, it's a feeling you you feel. Yeah. Okay. Um, so that's it's kind of like the the colorblind racism up here. We we say we don't see race, mm-hmm. but we treat you differently. Exactly. You think that's the good message to have? The we don't see race. I don't. I don't see color. I don't see. No, because that minimizes the whole colored struggle. Fair enough. You don't see our race now, but when it came time to, you know, force us into labor, beat us, take us from history, you saw the race then. Now, it doesn't matter what your personal views are. You have to see race. You have to see that these are, you know, uh, essentially they're people that didn't have a head start. White society has a head start. Most of white society does have a head start, yeah. Well, all of white society, whether you're born well-off or not, you have different interactions with the police than poor colored people do. Poor white people, you don't get shot by police like we do. No matter what, you have a head start. It's just how much of a head start do you have. Okay. So you feel like Minnesota's racism is worse because you can't you can't see it, you can't define it, you don't know it's not where tangible. it's coming from. It's not tangible. Can't see it, touch it, or hear it. Mm. But you know it's there. And you find out about it in other ways. Gotcha. But you never get confronted with it directly. So let's shift the conversation a little to um the topic of reparations. What do you, what are your feelings on reparations? Um, it's a necessary evil. It's something that needs to be done. Um, even though it may set the country back financially for a couple of years or whatever, it has to be done sooner rather than later. Why do you think it hasn't been done yet? I mean, forgotten things tend to stay forgotten. If no one's had to bring it up by now, if it hasn't caused enough of an issue by now, it won't cause much of an issue in a week or two, in a year or two, a decade or two. Do you do you feel like people are opposed to reparations or for it right now? What is what is your consent? What is your thought on what the general consensus is on it? I would say the general consensus is yes, it needs to get done. However, it's not something that needs to get done immediately. Nobody is thinking about reparations on a day-to-day basis. But once you ask them about reparations, they're ready to side with you. Like, oh yeah, we should definitely do that. Okay. So, it's not something that's... um a priority per se in the front of most people's minds you say absolutely but but when discussing people are agreed agreeable on it have you met anybody that's anti-reparations or the idea of reparations or not firsthand but i'm there's always opposition and the circles that exactly that you're rolling with yeah But yeah, no, not personally. I have not met anyone that's anti-reparations. 
or con reparations. Have you, um, have you ever heard any legislation, per se, um, trying to be done towards reparations? Or have you even heard any politicians? No. No. Why do you think that is? I mean, politician is a job. You gotta perform well at the job. <clears throat> if you make a big stink about something that nobody cares about, that's not necessarily doing a good job. Politicians have approval ratings that are based on what the public thinks about how they do their job. You spend your whole presidential term trying to do reparations, a lot of people aren't going to like that. And a lot of people that would think that, you know, reparations are necessary, they're going to ask you why you're not doing something else. So you think that the political game is shifted to the point where politicians don't even have the need to because their constituents aren't making it um, stressing that it's an issue for them or you absolutely the squeaky wheel gets the oil okay so there's maybe we need some lobbyist groups for it absolutely Mm. but who's going to lobby for reparations well hopefully I'm sure there's plenty of people we could get I mean there's non-profit corporations that yeah, but at the same time, like, that's kind of just feeding into the pipe dream. Fair enough, fair enough. So what, are, what do you think some of the, the biggest hurdles are to getting reparations established? I mean, first and foremost, make it a talking point. That's, that's going to be the hardest point. Man. Everybody knows about reparations, but nobody cares about reparations until someone says the word reparations. It's not something that's in the front of our mind, out of sight, out of mind. We don't think about it, therefore it's not a problem. We need to make it a talking point so that the world realizes it's a problem, and then we can figure out how to fix the problem. But if we don't identify the problem, how do we fix it? Well said, well said. Do a lot of people... Well, you said you already, you already spoke on most people agree with the topic when when pressed when the issue is pressed but it's not pressed in their mind normally so aside from you asking about this assignment I don't think I've ever been approached and asked about reparations really? really that's it's not a thing that when has the topic come up? it hasn't Interesting. Okay. Well, what do you think some of the logistical problems are? You think, um, you think maybe that's one of the reasons why people don't want to delve into it because they don't want to know, they don't want to see, they want to go through the hassle of trying to figure out who all is going to receive money for what or. Well, absolutely, but that's a problem that only grows exponentially. As like time goes on, the more the longer you wait, the harder the math is going to be to figure out who gets what and who's entitled to what. That's very fair. 
What do you think is a good solution? Give it to underserved communities. We take 10 to 15% of taxes for about 10, 15 years. Who knows? I don't know where the math is on that. But we invested in underdeveloped communities and bring to them the same options available in the affluent neighborhoods. And you just feel like the money would actually be distributed or located properly, or...? No, I don't. (laughs) Because people are human. Humans are stupid. So, knowing that that politician is human and they're from an underserved community, because they serve that underserved community, there's a good chance that they're going to try to skim something off the top. But I say with this one situation, make it results-based, performance-based. If you, if you aren't doing the job that you are there to do, regardless of election timetables, of like uh, recall voting, any of that, get whoever is in charge out. Because they're not doing something for this community that they're supposed to serve. If if there's no results, then pull the hook. I, I Don't see. cut the funding, because that community still needs the funding. Just keep changing. You cut hands the person in charge of the someone money. that's doing something exactly. that's actually working or helping. Absolutely. <clears throat> that's an interesting proposal. I I do like the idea, but the oversight of said project. Mm-hmm. And the fact that um, it's also helping people that were affected by racism after the end of <clears throat> slavery. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes away the whole problem of trying to figure out who's entitled to what. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets rid of the whole logistical argument and hassle that is a good selling point um yeah that's not a bad selling point did i just crack reparations well i mean (laughs) you still what what are what are some of the uh, you you haven't heard one argument against it huh you've if you like you said you've only heard this argument or you've only heard this topic broached once or twice so um let me hear let me let me tell you some arguments that I've heard against it. Okay. One is uh where has it worked before? Is like I've heard that it's not working in say the Native American community in the US. That's one of the only kind of reparations that I can think of. Um and the example that was given to me when I, I've heard a counter-argument. And it was the fact that just Native Americans are, in the U.S. anyways, some of the most discriminated against um, in our communities. Yeah. But, I mean, by what definition does it mean that reparations are working? 
coming from the people that say that reparations isn't working or reparations hasn't worked somewhere else. What do they think the end game is? <laughs> what do they think the end game is? That's that's a very good way to frame the argument. What is the end game? And that way we can look at is this helping and take the things out of <clears throat> what we're doing that's getting us towards our end game. And ultimately, speaking uh, no as one. a champion of disenfranchised people, it doesn't fucking matter what the end game is. You wronged me, and you owe me. What I do with it from here is not your concern. And it's not up to you to judge what my future plans are to decide if you're going to pay me what I'm owed. So, that's a form of entitlement in this instance. In your argument. Yes, yes. But, I mean, mean, work, work is entitled pay, is it not? Yes, 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 yes. I mean, I'm in agreement with you, but you... (coughs) (laughs) If we were going to go in a logistical way, you would be owed shit. Yeah, me, personally, no. But that's... Yes, you personally. Um, Do you feel like most people have that? uh, Or most people of color have that stance on it? No. And that's why I think, you know, that we, that if reparations does happen, it has to be in the form of building the communities. Because currently, if you ask most average black people, immigrants in the country, colored people, however you want to phrase it, whichever group you want to ask, most of them will say, yo, that sounds cool, but that ain't going to help me now. And while, yes, you're right, it's not going to help you now. This isn't about colored people as a whole in the present. This is about setting up a future And also for what was done in the past. So, like, the, the, the present doesn't matter in this whole exactly. context. It's the, the people in the present don't really matter. It's the wrongs that were done to the people in the past, how it's affected the people in the present, and how it's going to help the people in the future. Exactly. Uh, all of the, you know, big corporations, they weren't built in a day. The big banks, they weren't built in a day. That took generations upon generations of people having the right connections and making the right moves to make sure that they stayed alive in that business. Okay. If we provide these underserved communities with the same options as the affluent neighborhoods that these people come from who have built success and have prolonged success, have generational wealth, if we have those same opportunities in the hood then our future is going to be better. And long term, there can be a, you know, a successful colored people, like, group. It can be a thing. We could have our own lower middle class. We could have our own middle class. Right now, you're either low or high class as a colored person in America. 
you either made it or you didn't. We don't have a chance at that medium glory. The middle class is non-existent in uh, colored minority Absolutely not. communities. Really? Interesting. I didn't... I don't think I knew that or recognized that. Let's Because let's... even in these communities, like, yo, I I came from a relatively poor background. The people that we saw, that we knew, that lived in these lower middle income neighborhoods, that was what rich was to us. So there is no middle class because we see it as rich because we didn't have the opportunities that they somehow stumbled into to get this success. Gotcha. Gotcha. So it's a frame of mind. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Would you say that's changing at all? Today's society? More? The only way that it's changing is there's no middle class for anybody anymore. Hmm. Now it's you're either rich or you're poor. That's fair. That's a very fair assessment. Um, let's rewind it a little bit to... You said something earlier about you experiencing racism in Minnesota. A look, uh, uh, a patronizing question or remark. And uh, also you said it was something else about a feeling. So do you think that a feeling could be because of prior knowledge of um you know like could it be a perceptual thing on your behalf or i mean on some levels i'm sure it could be but i don't think it is uh and the reason for that is man i'm a bartender i'm a server every day i get stiffed Mm. but every table i treat them with the same consistency the same respect the same, you know, I'm going to be here for all of your needs. Mm. It's the same way I do when I approach people that I've never met. Hey, man, my name's Ravi. I'm going to be a real cool friend if you let me. That's that's as far as that goes. And it's... I don't know. The feel isn't so much like, oh, I just don't feel like I should be around here. No, it's like... All the eyes in the room are on you. And you know you haven't done nothing wrong. You don't know why all these eyes are on you. And you can't tell them to stop because no one's acknowledging that they're actually looking at you. But you know they are. The judging gaze of others continuously upon you. Yes, that can be... Because everyone is waiting for you to be... That black guy, that Mexican, that Indian, whatever the hell that means. I'm going to rob you and do your accountants shit. Like, <laughs> rob you, get your tax information, just so I can file your shit better. <laughs> get you an extra grand or two back. <laughs> what is the typical Indian guy? Like, what, what am I going to do? Hold you at gunpoint to do a physical? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Steal your phone, replace the screen, be like, bitch, what you gonna do about it? <laughs> like, that's interesting. We're getting into humor. Um, what? How do you feel about cancel culture? What is it that it is about? Because, you know, racist jokes are humorous oh, and 
Cancel culture and... is a byproduct of giving every kid a participation trophy. Those kids grew up and they're like, hey, I don't like what that person said. Everyone needs to stop talking to them. So it's it's the it's the it's the evil twin sister of inclusivity. <laughs> stupid the, people don't deserve to be heard. The evil and when you decide sister. inclusivity matters, stupid people get included. Stupid people don't deserve to be heard. If if we're on a plane and that plane's going down, and we're like, yo, there's parachutes, and there's a third motherfucker that just grabs one of the blankets that come in the airline. You let that motherfucker jump. <laughs> you don't be like, uh, nah, bro, here's a parachute. No, let him jump. That motherfucker didn't help. Like, <laughs> let him go, bro. He's not helping us in any way, shape, or form. Not currently in his current form or the chance that he has progeny. Like, no, it's <laughs> so not going to help. Let, let them uh, drown themselves, kind of. Exactly, man. Live your life, bro. You don't, what... This rubs your armpits the wrong way? Alright, cool. Go ahead. Take the blanket, bro. Like, what do you want from me? That's fair. That's a... <laughs> eventually, Take the blanket as a parachute. Uh. Eventually, cancel culture will fizzle out, flame out, and it'll be back to regular shit. It's a fad. It's a passing fad. Passing fad. The reason that cancel culture is so powerful today... Is because we still aren't completely inclusive. That's why marginalized voices of fairer complexion, they have a voice that's uh, a lot bigger than what it's supposed to be. <laughs> if you get three people in a room shouting at each other, they ain't make much noise, but if you decide one of those people is fundamentally different that one person has a bigger voice because they're fighting against everything oh. interesting so yeah you've uh it's you know you use the n-word how do you feel about that is i feel like it's a word that should probably not ever be used unless historical context like you're just like reciting something kind of and even then you can omit that so my stance on saying nigga is it's it's constantly evolving but even now it's like it's a balance thing right because at the end of the day yo I'm not black there's many people, there's many of ideas to say, I have no right to say this. On the other hand, compare the histories, bro. My people got colonized. My people cut cane fucking fields of Trinidad for years and years. Only difference, in Trinidad, we did get our 40 acres and a mule. In America, y'all are still waiting on it. That's really the only difference. And aside from that, growing up here in America, I was always, it was always known to me that if, that because I wasn't white, I was black in this country. It's what I was thought of. 
how people reacted to me. How often do people ask you what you are? Do they just already automatically assume that you are? Every single time I meet a new person. Oh, really? Like, Every single time. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, Is that fail. part of the um, Minnesota racist passive-aggressiveness? Let me categorize you and On be able to... On some level, yes, but that's not really a Minnesota <laughs> thing. That's just everywhere. That's a human thing. Fair. What are you? What What are the differences between me and you? Do you think that helped to say you're constantly reaffirming that you're different than everyone every time that's that question's asked? I mean, it's not about answering the question. It's not about the question even being asked. I'm different. I... It is what it is. I don't have to reaffirm shit. You can reaffirm it by looking at me. You see, I'm different than everyone no, else in the room. You know what I'm saying where I was talking about <clears throat> earlier, the the psychology of feeling that. So now you're having a continual reminder to think that thought, right? Whereas the thought is creating this. Because if you don't, if you're not asked that, how would why would you think that? Right? Why would you think that throughout your whole life? If you're not being asked that. True. You wouldn't think you're different. <laughs> I mean, squeaky wheel gets the oil. You know what I'm saying? That's what I hear. That's what I think. Yes, well, there's something to... Um, others' perception of you shapes who you are. A lot. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. That's a Freudian psych- psychological teaching or philosophy or whatever <clears throat> no but that's interesting that you were talking about um you're not black but you know or you feel like you're treated as you are because you're not treated as like as if you're white and that is um you know that's that plays into this black white binary that race is somehow you're labeled one of the two things Right. Absolutely. <clears throat> and it's it's wild to me that gender, which is something that is physically, biologically binary. You're either this or you're that. They put that on the spectrum before they put race. What do you mean they put that on the spectrum? Like, oh, there's people that are transgender. They can, they identify as this, they're that. You have to respect all of these little spots on the spectrum of sexuality. What you're saying is you feel as if a gender argument is stronger right now in the public debate than the racial arguments? Absolutely. Why do you think that is? Um, It's not, at this point, it's not even, I think it's that way. I know it is. But if something happens to a a gay person, a transgender person, any person of, you know, the queer umbrella, that will make headline news. No matter what. If if a gay person gets, you know, cut in line at Starbucks, they'll take to the internet and now you have 
an army of 60,000 strong that are like, yo, what the fuck? What about the Josie Smollett thing? <clears throat> that man had to have some of the best Chicago crack available. Like, mm-hmm. yo, how do you think up that you're going to you're going to solve racism and gender rights in one fell swoop? By orchestrating an idea where someone robbed you and beat you because you were those two things. God, you were you gotta be the dumbest dude in the world to think that that was actually gonna work. Like, bro, you don't. This ain't empire, my guy. You ain't got power like that. How? Uh, that that's gotta speak to some, some, what of the pathology behind the thinking? Yeah, um, maybe. He felt that discriminated in his own skin that he... I don't know about that. I feel like it was an easy payday for him. He thought, yo, I finally got me a little hit TV show. We could go ahead and get Fox to pay us some money to get their star back. It's probably what it was. He wasn't Uh, thinking about... Always a celebrity stunt, huh? He wasn't thinking about the the race relations, the gender relation, and he wasn't thinking about that level of it. Once he got caught, that became the fallback excuse. I don't know how we got uh, so far off topic, though. So we were talking about the black-white binary and how you felt like you knew instantly that it was... You were not on the white end of the binary, and... Um, do you notice that about other people of color, of other minorities, per se, that they feel the exact same way? I mean, most minorities I know feel that way. Why? They may not say it in those exact terms. They may not <clears throat> say if you're white, you're black. But there's some level of honesty to that, and there's some level of acceptance as a pigmented person you just know the lighter the skin the brighter the shine why why do you feel like that is so prominent that it 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 undermines so many other people's stories or identities that we're just throwing them in one category or another what what do you think that is that we're willing to discard Someone's experiences. Uh, because British people are fucked up. <laughs> That's really what it comes down to, and let me explain that. British people went and they started colonizing shit. They colonized like nobody's ever colonized before. Damn near everywhere has been a colony of England. And England was so fucked up, they would put our own people in charge of separating us. So now we, as a community, as a culture, as a country, see a person that looks exactly like us, telling us we're different from my neighbor, based on one fucking thing? Are you talking about the caste system in India? No, I'm talking about everywhere that's been colonized. Europe, mainly, Europeans put the people that were already there 
in charge in <clears throat> small positions of power to continue to break down the country into sections that were easier to conquer so were easier to quell the voices you know what they did to my people <laughs> in in china they uh they did it way more insidious they sold opium on the black market and got the country addicted that's how they owned uh hong kong for <coughs> i think 150 years yeah <laughs> So yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I understand that the the British in India today, was... after what, after like a hundred and sixty years after occupation, you know, like it's been a while. In India today, they sell skin bleaching and skin whitening creams. Like you'll just see it on TV, just randomly. Like you'll get whiter, and they'll put the palest Indian actress they could get. That's weird. That that's in India. That um, it's still. Like race color of your skin is so prominent because most Indians are a darker pigment. So yeah, I got blessed. Because <laughs> <laughs> you're lighter. Yes, or? I got. I'm, I'm lighter than most Indians. I suppose that I, yeah, some Indians are very dark. Yeah. Yes. Indians get pretty much the same skin color as black people. It's just we have different hair. That's how you spot an Indian. <clears throat> Interesting. Look for the nigga with straight hair. That's <laughs> Indian, fam. <laughs> like, you walk up to him, I promise you, you turn around. Hello. <laughs> that nigga's Indian, bro. <laughs> That's clowning. Uh, the straight hair, it ain't wavy. Exactly. Mm. Still thick, though. Absolutely. You know. Yeah. Hair is, hair is a, a unique, like... Hair is also a very, like, yo, it's a... That's also part of the race discussion that no one's really having. Like, you gotta go to certain people to cut your hair that will know. Yeah. You know, like, you can't just go to a white person exactly. to cut your hair. <laughs> well, I can because my hair is, you know, it's it's straight, it's thick. It's like the perfect head of hair to cut. Okay. Or style or anything. Indian hair is some of the best hair in the world. <laughs> Legit. You know how I know that? Like, not just me being fucking conceited. I know that because, since you're not, this is probably my favorite Jay-Z bar of all time. I can't remember what song. But he said, Jay-Z gay? Nah, nigga. I'm straighter than Indian hair. I was like, fuck it. That's my man's. It's my motherfucking man's. And then, hova, hova. And then, okay. like. That's the hova. Right you know, there. all of the, like, hood comedies that I've seen, it's always, like. Black girls getting Indian weave, or uh, some part of Asia, you know what I'm saying? I pretty much got the same hair as Chinese people. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like it's the same shit. Like Asian hair is the best hair in the world. That's the shit everybody wants. So let's go back to the black white binary here. Yeah. Um, talk about like on the case, say like Trayvon Martin and the George Zimmerman. Mm-hmm. You feel like it was because <clears throat> George Zimmerman was in the white category that he was let off on the murder of Trayvon, would you say? I mean, that and <clears throat> the fact that Florida lawmakers have a very ass-backwards way of doing things. Yeah, I mean, in my opinion, it's a very stupid law. How can you stand your ground when you're not at your own castle? Exactly. You know, like... But, um, like... And I, 
I promise you, if it was the other way around, if it was Trayvon Martin, he didn't stand his ground. He advanced. Mm. Mm. What, what, you don't think there's another aspect to the to that case? I mean, Vance George was 15 Zimmerman. Years old. George Zimmerman is right. Hispanic, Fifteen years old. Yeah, yeah. Fifteen years old with Skittles and an Arizona tea. I know. Uh, that's it's How, all fucked up. What other fucking aspect could there be than George Zimmerman saw a black man at night and shot him? That's it. He shot him over an irrational fear of black men. Well, uh, I would say he followed or instigated or whatever. The the courts decided that he was attacked and let off. But either way, there's, there should have been some sort of like charge where you should not have been there in the first fucking place. Exactly. Like... There should have been some secondary charge on him that there was no reason for the discrimination uh, towards, uh, and then he also instigated the the scuffle between the two of them that led to him shooting him. So, like that in in of itself should have been a charge, but um, I mean, you don't you don't, assaulting a minor. Like, but it was two minorities time. in this, right? So it's a it's a Hispanic man who is of lighter skin color and a young black boy in this instance. He's yeah, it's a young black boy versus a white passing Hispanic man. White passing man's gonna win. It doesn't matter any of the circumstance of the case. If you told me that that's who's got a court date coming up. I would tell you the white man's going to win. What do you think? Do you think it has anything to do with just their names, like George Absolutely. or Trayvon? You see Trayvon Martin, you know that that's a black man. You see George Zimmerman, yo, that could be someone you play golf with. That could be someone you met at the country club. And it's- If it was George Hernandez, it wouldn't be the same outcome. Or Jorge. Exactly. And that's a thing, that's a real thing. Like, yo, I've heard of people saying, oh, I can't pronounce this name. I'm not going to call this person back for an interview. Like, it literally is just the name. Or they'll get put in the affirmative action bucket, you know? The affirmative action bucket. Yeah. Uh, Which is, what, just higher to... Yeah, hired some color people. Get it diverse up in this bitch. <laughs> and that's a whole joke itself because all that does is give like it gives a cut to the companies. It gives it incentivizes the companies to hire black people. So you're still exploiting black people as a way for these companies to make money. Well, have you heard of any of the knocks on um, affirmative action as of lately? No, not as of late. What's what's going on now? Well, now there is, um, you know, like in-depth studies or... I can't come up with the guy's name, but he just wrote a book about, like, looking at institutions and their acceptance rates and, like, accepting lower scores of minorities to let them in. 
uh, to colleges. But then they're... So their bar is lower than the rest of the students, Mm -hmm. is what I'm saying. So it's lowering their standards. Yeah. Which is not helping them in the long school hall. Yeah. So, like, when they're not making it and failing out... Yeah. There's reasons behind it, and instead of... And and also, it's lowering the standards of work. That helps create shit like the student debt crisis, because now all these people are accepted in colleges that are too advanced for them. They drop out, and they're killed with soul-crushing school debt that kicks in after that, what, second semester or something? Well, I'm not not, um, giving any credit to the argument towards... You know what? What I was hearing about affirmative action, I'd have to look into it more and see what kind of studies were done that were proving these. But the one main argument was that, or like a very compelling one in my opinion, was that if we're setting two different standards for, say, black doctors than we are white doctors, then and when it comes to a time where we're needing surgery we're we're like inherently um incentivized or motivated to choose uh someone that has higher standard right yeah. so then we're going to be racist towards these yeah black doctors even yeah. and that was a very um compelling argument that i had heard from actually a Glenn show some old civil rights professor yeah. at like somewhere in Chicago talked about a lot about the disparity between um African Americans and the incarceration rate versus when it comes to drug issues that's mm-hmm. that's a very big topic that doesn't get discussed enough I would say is that um the drug war in and of itself is just uh, tactic to incarcerate black men, I would say. Absolutely. Unjustly. Absolutely. I mean, like... What was that one? Uh... Sprinkles of crack on him. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Dave Chappelle, kill him softly. Yeah, Never forget yeah, 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 yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, He was saying DC was crack city, and, and all you had to do was sprinkle some crack on him and write it up in the book as, oh, it was a crackhead that attacked me. Believable because it's a minority city. Like, we're ravaged by drug problems. And then also, on the other side of it, we're ravaged with cops trying to find, fill their, you know, fill their quotas for drug enforcement. So now you got kids that are getting evidence planted on them. You're getting cops that are hanging around just to find some shit. It doesn't even have to be some really illegal shit. Let me catch you jaywalking. I'm going to throw this fucking crack on you. We got us an arrest. That's one of the best things about, uh, I would say, that these cameras, these body cams are going to have to... They're going to hold police a lot more accountable. Are they? Because now police just turn these shits off. Well, that right there... Hey, guess what? That right there is um <clears throat> what suspect to investigation and guilt guilty assumption right like we're yeah. all going to assume that some yeah, shady that's ass cool, shit went down yeah that's cool but then. like 
That don't mean shit for me as a colored man. I've seen police go to trial. I've seen them get off scot-free. Did, did Derek Chauvin get off scot-free? Exception to the rule. That's the, granted, it is the first time in a long time we've seen anything The boys like in that. blue are a family. Ah, the boys in blue are a family. And, and there's a reason. I'm going to tell you right now, I know if you if some shit ever hit the fan, you're going to be dialing 911. There's a reason cops are there. I will not we, dial 911. We, we, we would want them to be held um, to a higher standard, is what I would say. I have... I have enough of a social network that I could find someone to de-escalate the situation that I'm going through. I'm not calling 911 because that's putting my life in danger. I've never felt safe when I was in the presence of police. Never once. Not once. That's, um... How can we change that? How can that ever... How can that thought Put people from where I live to police where I live. I see you when you go to the store. I have a personal relationship with you. You know what my life looks like. You have a better judgment of how to police my, how to police me now. Do you, is that, that's interesting. I wonder, do they do that? Like, do people become cops here in the city that they were? No, it's it's. There's a law against it. Really? Yeah. You can't police the people you grew up around because you're gonna let shit slide. Ah. Or be too harsh, or use your power exactly. in a bad way. Say, blackmail someone. Exactly. Or influence them in the wrong way. But if you got two dudes from the same neighborhood, you let them police that neighborhood. Yo, they've, they've known these people for most of their lives. They know if someone's going through a tough time. If someone's been a dickhead their whole life and needs to, you know, time to pay dues, you know? Well, I or, guess there's a reason for the law or why there's... Exactly. But we need to look at it again. Or maybe just have higher standards. There are those. There are these police cams now, like yeah, I said. I'm, I mean... It's so easy for police officers to say, Oh, I felt threatened. I was scared. That's why I shot. You don't get that if... If it's someone that looks like me, they're not scared by me. They know what this life brings. They, they've they experienced it. Hmm. They don't feel threatened. They're ready for what I will do. What I can try. But they're not threatened. Because they know me. They probably know my moms. They know my auntie. They know people in this community. They know the same people I know. So there's a mutual level of respect there. Interesting. You, you, you feel like the, the community should be policed by the community, basically. That's an interesting way to solve the problem of uh, policing. How about these no-knock warrants? That's a little um, becoming... It's breaking and entering. Yeah. But it's they do have a warrant. Of my rights. They do have a warrant. It's a violation still, of my rights. Yeah, you should at least give me, you know, two minutes. Let me get dressed. Yeah. Or load up. <laughs> that's that's the whole I mean, thought process around it is they're trying to prevent 
injury to the police and like you signed up for a job that's dangerous it's not my fault that you're in a dangerous situation that's fair if you want to if you want to you know prevent injuries to officers stop sending them into people's homes um well that's also a fair fair assumption or a fair request. I can catch you when you're leaving, going to get groceries. Soon as you hit the driveway, cool, yeah, pick me up there. And then we can ride back to the house when I'm in cuffs. That's You want to stop in injuries to police? Stop sending them in people's homes. Well, Because there's also, also laws about, in place that the, say, uh, hey, about, if someone breaks into your house, you can shoot them. You'll be good. That's self-defense. Mm-hmm. Unless it's a police officer. Now that police officer don't have to knock. Mm-hmm. I shoot and I'm going to jail for life now because mm-hmm. I killed or, a police officer. Or getting killed. Exactly. And then also, here's, here's, the, here's the argument against your uh, pull you over. They don't want to risk a high-speed chase, which is in turn risking more civilians. You know what I'm saying? So, at yeah. what point, where, where's the, we're going to need a, um, there's got to be a risk and reward. So, this is one of the pleasures I had of going to school in Eastside St. Paul. There was one day I was at school, intercom blares, middle of passing time. Everyone in the school stay in the school. Police have locked down outside. If you know you're pulling this motherfucker over, instead of getting that warrant to go into their house, get the warrant to shut down the block. Have people there that are ready to block off points of exit. If you can do that, which has been proven time and time again that you can, why don't you do that? You make a safe, contained space to take down a suspect. Hmm. Yeah, um, I don't want to even get into police tactics anymore. Let's, I mean, policing is such a, I feel like police and politicians should be on like a rotational um, term limit, like, and we should just be rotating yeah. motherfuckies in and out because positions of power eventually power corrupts. corrupts. So yeah, it's, it's, it's inevitable. It's. It's human nature. We The two most corrupting factors are power and money. Well, money is power. Exactly. So I mean let's let's talk about your education here for a minute. What do you think about what we're teaching people in schools about? Well, I mean it's a the story that we're telling these children. It's revised history. It's it's from the winner's point of view. You don't teach about the struggles that Native, Ameri- Native Americans have had to endure after getting reservations. That's a defeated people. They didn't get to tell their story. Well, you, what, what, what did you hear about, say, the battle for America between white people <laughs> and Native Americans? What did you learn? 
How much of it did you hear? I mean, there's a lot and there's a little. You know what I mean? Like, it's... I heard a lot about how, you know, Native Americans were savages. Yeah, they were here. This was their land, but we were here to save it. You know, it was all coming from, like, the hero's perspective. You know Mm -hmm. what I'm saying? You tried to sell me on the fact that you did right by killing off a whole race of people that were already here. I can't come into your home and say, yo, I conquered this after killing you. What makes it okay? But the story that we teach is, hey, it was manifest destiny. We we were getting to the West. We were exploring. Not, we were genociding a race of people that have been living here peacefully for decades. Thousands of years. Yeah. Thousands of years. You know? More or less. I mean, the Mayans were how old? 5,000 years old? Yeah, Maybe something like further that. than that. Um, all right, so that's very true. Do you, is that the story that kids are still learning in school nowadays? I wonder. Is that the message? Is that the the history that is being I don't, told? I don't How know has the for message sure. changed slightly so that... I don't know for sure, but I can't imagine much. If nobody complains about it, nothing gets changed. When's the last time you heard a complaint come from the Native American community that made headlines? Um, well, it's the usually football about, team? like, the, the, the pipeline or the, uh... No, the pipeline, the pipeline was going through Native lands, but it's because a bunch of white people went up there to protest shit. <laughs> what do you mean a bunch of white people went up there to protest? I mean a bunch of white people went up there and protested like the the excavation equipment like coming in. <laughs> I knew one of the white girls that went up there. And like every one of them got their phones out. So like they're making it an influencer event. But if you don't do that type of thing, then the minority voice isn't heard. If there's not a white person there to amplify what we say, we don't get a herd. Interesting. If it doesn't become a white issue, it doesn't become an issue. Hmm. Why is that? Part of that whole because lack of representation thing? or Exactly. Out of sight, out of mind. When you get a if you get a you know tourism booklet of America, they're not showing you the hoods. They're not showing you the underdeveloped communities. Mm. What you see is what you think is all that matters. Is what you think is there. They're not telling you that these other parts aren't there. They're just not telling you that they are there. Well, I I get what you're saying. It's like Facebook or mm-hmm. it's like social media. Like you only show what you want them to see of your life to the image but um well that's a whole whole interesting and we can talk about representation and um I just want to touch on what 
what's another message that you learned about race in school? Would you would you say like? 